Here we are for another episode of the Side Talks podcast. Look how professional I am coming in strong. Extremely professional. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about movies. That's what we do on this podcast. That's all right. All movies, all the time. And also sometimes we talk about Tinder. That's right. What's up, Ding Dongs? It's time for some Side Talks. We're going to talk about movies. My name's Corey Kraft. Air horn, air horn. Wah, wah, wah. Here we go. You ready to talk about movies? I am not going to enable you. I don't know <laughs> what else to do except say that. Yeah, let's talk about movies. What's this shit? You ready? I'm ready. Rip, roar, and ready. Okay. So I'm just jumping in this film. I don't know where the hell I am in this thing. Okay. I think you might guess it. Mm. Okay. Um, it's got some years on it now at this point. And there are two dudes in a studio. All right. Yep. Two dudes in a studio. And somebody from the control booth says, bring in the blue screen. Uh-huh. And, you know, some they're trying to do some kind of like studio kind of lingo. And then the person who's running the camera is wearing like a little sleeveless shirt says to them, you know, giving them the countdown to, to action, the sort of 10, 9, and these two individuals, the two dudes that are in front of the blue screen uh, are counting with their mouths. They're like, you know, 10, 9. And so, of course, the person, the director from the control room says, we can see you counting, guys. Hmm. So then the countdown starts again and they nod their heads like, you know, up and down. And he goes, we can see you nodding your heads. Mm-hmm. And then they stop doing that. And then the countdown happens again. And it's as if they're just in pain <laughs> to not move. I like that this is cl- clearly up your alley. I mean, it sounds like a fun yeah, gag. There you go. Um, and so that happens. And then we cut to the control room. And while these two individuals are you know, recording their little segment for whatever this is that, that they're doing, uh, some suits come into the studio mm. and are kind of like, who who likes this? You know, who's, do people really watch this? They're like, oh, yeah, you know, the kids really like this. Okay, you know, and then they they move into the studio with the suits to introduce them to the two dudes that are on air or who have, you know, or or the on-air talent. And uh, they are are shaking hands and one of them says, so how does it feel to be in a real studio to one of them? Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, it's great. It's it's like a new pair of underwear. Uh, kind of cool thing to say. Kind of constricting, but then you get used to it and it becomes just a part of you. And that's clearly supposed to be really funny because that's where the clip ends. Sure. I'm so, a little surprised you don't know it. I I, I have a sneaking guess. Well, okay. I think yeah. So I let's think say a guess is fair. So like, let's I, say all right. These two dudes are they played by equally famous people, or is one of them far more famous than the other? I think they're equally famous. Maybe yeah. maybe one of them would skew. No, they're they're, they're pretty they're, they're pretty neck and neck there. Pretty and are, would you say they're very famous or semi famous? I think they're pretty famous. Pretty famous. How how contemporary of a film are we talking about? It's here? it's got some years. I mean, it, this is not in the last. I don't think it's even in the last twenty. Okay. No, it's not in the last twenty. Mm. So my first guess was Mrs. Doubtfire because oh, of that plot line where he he's like a children's television host right yeah robin williams in that movie it's probably a contemporary of this or at least this is this is this is not a different world from this okay but that is not that is so not we're talking about early 90s comedy i think so family geared or family appropriate i don't think so hmm. i mean i don't think this is gonna be i don't think anybody's gonna have some kind of issue with the kid watching this but is I this also, a Saturday Night Live movie? It is. Is this Wayne's World? It is. You okay. got it. Ding, ding, ding. 
Um, I've never seen Pretty Wayne's good. World. I, I thought my next step was to was to throw SNL at you because yeah. there's certainly plenty of those. So you did a good job. Yes, yeah, this I, is- I, I, this is on my list of things that I really should actually watch one of these days. Should you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's. I, I think Wayne's World, the first film, is generally pretty beloved and held up as one of the better, if not the best, SNL film. Hmm. I, that's not a big. I know, no, pool, I mean, but... like, that's kind of a race to the bottom in yeah, a lot yeah, yeah. of ways, right. but like, people generally like Wayne's World. Isn't that a Penelope Spheris movie, or did I make that you up? You know what? I don't know. You want to, uh, Sam? Yeah, Sam back there? Um, yeah, we'll take a look and see, because that's a great question. That sounds right. Something it, about that strikes me as like being that. possible. Uh, Wayne's but I'm gonna, World. I'm gonna give Penelope you... Spheris, that's right. There we go. What year was that? 92. Okay. So it's actually a little. Yeah, I was thinking 30th late, anniversary. I was thinking late 90s, but that makes sense because really what Dana Carvey's kind of in a really 80s SNL dude, right? Yeah. Well, there you go. Um yeah, no this is on my this is on my watch list. I I've always wanted to see this. I've probably seen bits of it because I was a child in the 90s and this was a big deal. Yeah. But I never watched it as yeah, a it kid. Yeah, it was really popular. Yeah. Uh okay, so I nailed it. Everybody did a great job. Corey I'm wins. pat myself on the back here. Corey wins, ding-dongs. <laughs> and now, a look at what we're watching this week. So guess what I've been watching, Corey? What have you been watching? Well, a couple of things. Oh, I right. mean, a lot of things, right? A lot of things because the festival and programming, that everybody's tired of hearing us bitch about that. <laughs> but I will tell you that I have watched the 90-minute ad that is He's All That. Oh, the TikTok uh, lady who is on this this uh, is it a remake or is like Rachel Lee Cook actually in it as somebody's oh, mom? Rachel Lee Cook is in it as somebody's mom, and it is the I swear to you that if I could go back in time and talk to younger me, just go write scripts because <laughs> I mean I feel like I could just take a two hour walk, you know, grab like the worst meal of my life and still have the energy to write this thing like in a couple of hours. Well, I mean, it's, it's just so a bad. Mad Libs book, isn't it? Yeah. Like you could just fill in proper nouns and it's terrible. Adverbs. And there's, there's a, like, there's so many equivalent of a camera wink that just makes me want to scream. And yes, there's a Kardashian in it. Oh, well they, they clearly got her for, you know, they got her on screen for 15 minutes. They didn't give her an eye line. It's, I always, when, you know, when you're in, when you go to film school, right, everybody's asking for you to act, especially when you go to someplace like, like I went, I went to SCAD, right? And there wasn't, at that time, there wasn't a performing arts yeah. department. So yeah. you've got no pool of college students to pull people from, you know, you, uh, to, to perform in your films and your projects. And so you're just, you know, looking to your right and left and going, will you please be in my movie? And I got that a lot. And I finally stopped saying yes, because I was I was like, you guys, you don't want this, actually. It's I'm really fucking terrible. I'm an awful, awful actor. I'm going to ruin your the film that you're working really hard on. Um, I am better than I think this is I think this is Courtney. I'm better than Courtney Kardashian. It is a train wreck. Mm. This film is an absolute disaster. It is not fun. It has the kid from Cobra Kai who I think is actually pretty good. He's pretty good. Yeah, like the two I, leads mm, are pretty good. Well, so the the female lead is a TikTok star. She's pretty good. I'm not gonna I'm okay. not gonna take that from her. Like she's pretty good for what she's in, right? I'm not gonna cast her next to Meryl Streep, but she's pretty good for this film. It's it's just fine, and you know they're both attractive young people, and so you know that's 
that mixture of being pretty good and attractive is all you need for some fodder like this. But you would hope they could be propped up by a little bit of a fucking script. And it is absolutely terrible. And every time I turn around, there's a bag of Sun Chips or a a Coca-Cola. I mean, the product placement is disgusting. They aren't even trying for a second to make it feel organic. It is so turn turn that label to the camera. (laughs) Pour water. I mean, it just on and on and on. It's terrible. It's an absolute shit show, this film. Well, I'm sorry to hear that he's all that didn't live up to expectations. No, but you know, this is where it gets me, Corey, is I'm bitching up a storm because this is just what Netflix does now. Yeah, right? This I know. is a Netflix original, and this is what they do. And what kind of budget probably went into having a Kardashian for even just a few minutes? You know, they're just, they're just funneling a ton of money towards crap, 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 crap. So it's... It's awful. I don't know what else to say about he's all that. I mean, it's not as if like Jane Campion is on the phone with Netflix. Like, can we get a couple more horses for my movie, The Power of the Dog? And they're like, no, sorry. We've got to fly in Courtney Kardashian privately. You don't know what conversations they might have had. The budget's spent. Sorry, Jane. You're going to have to make do with the horses you've got. Power of the Dog seemed a little horse thin. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, I think some of those horses went to the Kardashian. By the way, they dragged Matthew Lillard out at the end. Oh, what? And it's upsetting. Mm. It's all upsetting. It's shit. You know what's he better? He didn't need that. I guess the check must have been pretty good. I, I hope sure. Matthew. Matthew Lillard was in Twin Peaks. He gets a lifetime pass from now on. Does he? Yeah, he does. does. He? So I here's the other thing I'm watching. It's a, a few steps up from He's All That, and that is that during Bad Movie Night, we watched Speed 2 Cruise Control. Yeah, I, I so we talked about this off mic. This is a movie that I saw in like 1998. It was a VHS rental that my family took home, and it was one of those early movies because, you know, when you're a kid, you're like, movies, great. Yeah, I love movies. Every movie is good. And this was one of the early movies that I saw where I was like, wait, maybe not all movies are good because that was lame. Yeah, it's an hour and 50 minutes. <laughs> Okay. And they didn't need to be. And boats don't they didn't go need that it fast. To be. No, they didn't need it to be. And I thought it was going to be the case that the boat couldn't, it was going to be another case of like the boat won't slow down. But that's not exactly Not it. exactly. They should have gone with that. There are some fun mentions of ex-boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, which we all know is Keanu, and that's kind of fun. And you know me, you put Sandy in a film, I'm going to watch the film. Everybody loves Sandra Bullock. That's true. Who doesn't love Sandra Bullock? She's really? great. So she's lovely in it. The uh, the gentleman, Jason Patrick, who, the poor man's Billy Zane, who's playing opposite her, not so great. Not good. Not good. And here's what I don't normally give as advice, but I will say. Put it on. Watch the first seven minutes, which is an absolute rid- ridiculous it's the motorcycle chase. Oh, no, driving school. She's later. doing. She's there's some driving school stuff with her, but it's mostly it's mostly focused on Jason Patrick, right? You know, being and and, and the reveal that you didn't tell me you were part of the suicide squad. That part sets things up and is pretty funny. And then just go ahead and skip to the last 45 minutes because what is enjoyable in this film is just watching this boat take out an entire Island of people. It, it it's, there's a whole thing with a dog and everybody claps in the bad movie night when the dog is, is okay. Spoiler alert. The dog's okay. But nobody, I mean, I'm like, we also are clapping for this dog, but there's no way that one million people haven't died. It's just going, just it's just cutting a, a line through this island like a, like a knife through an apple. It is absolutely outrageous how many lives are at stake. More than COVID, more than September 11th, oh the God. boat in speed too. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, folks. It's it's enjoyable if you do the first 10 minutes and the last 45. And that's that's going to be my great advice to you today. As somebody who sat through all of, of Speed 2 Cruise Control, that's all you need to do. But it, that if you do that, I think you'll, <laughs> it makes for a pretty nice hour. Well, um, I'm not sure I'll rush to do that, but I'll, I'll add it's it worth to the it, watch Corey. list, when I you suppose. Start, when, the other thing is there's no actual connection between what you're seeing happening in sort of close up and medium and medium wide and what's happening in wide shot. Oh, my God. In other words, the boat is only – when you go wide, the boat's only, you know, maybe, I don't know, a few hundred feet into the island. Right. But you're – in close up and medium and medium close, you're just watching devastation after devastation. I mean, unless there are 5,000 buildings within a little tiny little cove, th- there's no way that, that there's a connection here. Should we build downtown on this dock? <laughs> oh, that part is really, really worth it. Well. And then after all the devastation or whatever, it there is a moment where he's kind of like, now i got to go get my girl. And so similar to Speed, you're, you think the movie's over and then you're like, oh, no. He's still got to go wrestle with some stuff to get Sandy out of this whole situation. And he does. And that part feels a little tedious. But the best part is that swooping, everybody should be happy. They got together music when the truth of the matter is, is that we lost as almost as many people as we did in the Holocaust when that, oh boat, when that boat hit the island. Just untold devastation. Too soon, Corey. I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, oh, okay. Well, um, plus everybody in the audience is like, boo, we want Keanu back. Yeah, that too. Well, that's too bad. Well, I watched, um, <laughs> some, some movies I think that are, that are quite a bit different. Um, you know who else is, is pretty good, uh, is, uh, Mr. Martin Scorsese. And, um, yeah, turns out, uh, I watched some Scorsese films that I had never seen before. I'm trying to fill in some gaps and I filled in some pretty big ones over the past week. So I want to highlight a couple of those in brief. Let's hear it. Uh, I watched, uh, the last waltz, his, uh, yeah. very famous, uh, concert before, film. Yes? no, this was a first time watch, oh, uh, for the gotcha. last waltz. Uh, the concert film that that showcases the band in their final live performance with a lot of guest performers joining them on stage. Um, 4K Blu-ray, image immaculate, sound immaculate. Um, just a really great first-time watch. Do you mind if I pause you for one second, uh-huh. though? Um, Brad, agree or disagree, the band is the worst name for a band ever. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's almost so bad that right. it comes back around. I mean, I guess I get the joke. Yeah. Um, I take no stance on this matter. But I'm sure you take a stance on The Last Waltz. Terrific film. Yeah. Uh, really amazing. Um, so then I backed it up a little bit and um, watched Scorsese's breakout film from 1973, Mean Streets. And this was another mm-hmm. first time watch. Nice. Um, because I, I, I've i seen most of Scorsese's 70s output. This one had eluded me. Um, first feature, am I correct? Uh, third. Was but, it third? Yes, because he made this uh, little film, Who's that? Who's Knocking at My Door? Oh, that's right. Uh, and then Is Boxcar that- Bertha for Roger Corman. Um, and those two, the, Who's Knocking at My Door was like a student feature. Boxcar Bertha was made for Corman on the cheap. He didn't. Scorsese okay, does. That's why it's I'm, not full Scorsese, right? This is yeah, the first you. full Scorsese movie. Maybe that's movie. what I'm thinking. For some reason, I, I guess I thought the student film was sort of. A, anyway third feature it's much rougher around the edges than a lot of the 
later stuff, no yes. surprise. But how'd you think? What'd you think? I mean, I thought it was terrific, uh, yeah. and mostly because of the interplay between Harvey Keitel and and Robert De Niro. Um, even at this sort of relatively unformed sort of um, style that Scorsese is still developing here. Uh, it's hilarious. It's really, you know, the, all the dialogue is really specific. Mm-hmm. Everything, you know, it's obviously set in, in the little Italy, Italy neighborhood that Scorsese came of age in, was very near and dear to his heart. Screenplay loosely based on shit that he experienced, being around all of these these would-be gangsters and hoodlums in in this neighborhood um so it's really vivid and um beautifully done i thought even if as you say of course it is still a little rough around the edges well it's shot on like was it super 16 or was it something like that yeah i mean it is distinctly grainy it's it's a it's an era for different film stock especially at this budget level but am i correct to say that this is de niro's really our first introduction to nero is that right well or it was I... it was a big breakout for him breakout yeah. um because the next year he's in the godfather part two he had before that done some lower budget brian de palma stuff um but i think mean streets is where de niro really pops um, and this is why scorsese tends to be credited with you know, yeah. sort of discovering De Niro, if for you will. For sure. Because, like, those those De Palma movies kind of lost to history. Yeah, you know, but, sure. Um, and so, okay. The next, I had to kind of do another sort of homework assignment before I could do the final Scorsese movie I wanted to Is this self-assigned? Watch. Yes. Okay. Um, I wanted to watch The Color of Money. Yeah. But I had never seen The Hustler. So I watched okay. them both. We did a double feature of The Hustler and The Color of Money. The Hustler from 61, I believe, um, follows yep. uh, Paul Newman's Fast Eddie Felson, this pool shark, um, as he gets in and over his head with the aforementioned Jackie Gleason, yep. um, who is Jason Patrick's grandfather, it turns out, uh, and then George C. Scott as this sort of unscrupulous uh, criminal, you know, rich, wealthy man betting on on all of these pool uh, pool sharks and stuff. Anyway, um, really great movie. And then watch The Color of Money, the 25 years later sequel slash follow-up with Paul Newman reprising his role. It's in the way that you use it. <laughs> <laughs> it comes and it goes. That's the soundtrack. It I'm is. <laughs> uh, the soundtrack on this thing is delightful. It's in the way that you use it. Prime uh 1986 uh, cool uh, pop music from from Scorsese here. You know what doesn't get better in 1986? What's that? That song while watching Tom Cruise shoot pool. That's just that that is it's it's kind of the coolest anybody's ever been in a movie. I think just cocky ass Tom Cruise. Just I prefer him strutting around Top Gun. I think he's a. I think he's a. I think he's more chivalrous in this than in Top Gun. <laughs> well, the difference is uh, this movie was directed by Martin Scorsese. Right, right. There <laughs> um, you go. So I, I don't know. I, I, I love them both. Obviously, the the Hustler's a little heavier than the Color of Money. Right. The Color of Money is kind of like a. It's a. It's it's not like a light movie or anything, but it's certainly lighter than the Hustler. And it's good a, dad film. Now that I think about it's it, great. It's like it's the dad film. Prime really. yeah. dad cinema. dad time. Like 1986 between The Color of Money, Top Gun, and Platoon, forget about it. Dads were set. Yeah. Dads were dads feasting were that year. Feasting dads. Um, but I, I really love The Color of Money, and I think part of that is because you can see Scorsese flexing a lot of the muscles that he will put to use 
and kind of perfect in Goodfellas, just yeah. like four years later. Um, but Paul Newman's amazing in it, obviously. And we, we, I was really impressed with Cruz and, um, oh, the young woman, Mary, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, who plays Cruz's girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, who I thought was terrific as well. Um, so look, you're never going to have a bad time watching films by the old masters. And obviously, um, I love Martin Scorsese. I, I love his work and these were blind spots for me that I knew I needed to fill one of these days. And so I had, I took the time to do it because better late than never. I have New York, New York coming in the mail tomorrow. And I know that's kind of an infamous from Netflix, uh, from from amazon.com. Um, uh, I know that's kind of an infamous, like, Flop for for Scorsese uh, from '77, a musical, uh, darker musical, I guess. Never seen it. Looking forward to watching it. Um, Can't wait to hear what you think. Yeah, and um, you know, maybe I'll I'll try to fill in the rest of the Scorsese blind spots over the next few weeks before school starts and we have a film festival. But we'll see. So anyway, that's what I've been watching. Well, thank you so much for listening to Side Talks Podcast, where your own personal cinematic Oreo cakesters and go-tarts. I remember the cakesters. What's a go-tart? So, yeah, we did we did drinks on the last outro. Uh-huh. Um, we got snack cakes now. Yeah. So sort now, of. So, Oreo cakesters, this is my favorite thing ever. As I was doing a little research, and I do a little research for the podcast, believe it or not. This isn't all <laughs> just off the cuff, y'all. Um, it has my favorite sort of go-to term by the internet. Uh-huh. People on the internet like to call the Oreo cakesters, which this is, they were only around for a little bit and uh, are now RIP, and people really would like them back. And they refer to them as boneless Oreos. <laughs> so yeah, instead of a little cookie, you had a little cake. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, kind of like nobody, a ding-dong, Corey. Nobody wanted this. And then Go-Tarts, also a favorite because they are on the go pop tarts, which which is how is that different from a pop tart? For a second, <laughs> is it just me or were pop tarts also on the go? They're they're perfectly portable. Yeah. These are gone since two thousand eight, and these are smaller, thinner version of pop pop tarts that came out in two thousand six. So, yeah. all right, I think I will take the boneless Oreos if you'll take the go tarts. I'll take the go tarts. Right, I'm more of a pop tart person than a, than an Oreo person. All anyway, right, well, there you have it. Uh, what do we do now? Yeah, I don't <laughs> We're know. What do you think about pop tarts? How do you how do you how do you even follow boneless Oreos? You say thanks to Batwall Studios, of course. Thanks, Brad. And, You're welcome. And thanks to Revelator Coffee. Yeah, and wonderful coffee downtown Birmingham. Hit them up. Thanks to Splash ninety six. Absolutely, our great theme song that we love and appreciate. And then thanks to our listeners and then we just tell our listeners let's go to sidewalkfest.com and get those tickets and passes not just for the sidewalk film festival but also for marcel the shell which i think will still be playing by the time you hear this the great documentary fire of love Please. which you're going to want to see on a big screen to see all that beautiful volcano footage in in pristine um projection um 75 or so feature films i think maybe more maybe somewhere between 60 and 70 i should probably say because we've got a lot of special events so 60 to 70 feature films in the Sidewalk Film Festival 2022 lineup. So go take a look at SidewalkFest.com for those. And about, and, what, 6,000 shorts? I mean, it's 250 or something. I mean, oh it's God. nuts, y'all. Um, SidewalkFest.com. So buy the tickets. Cause Get we, them passes, we, y'all. We got to pay for some boneless Oreos. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words. 
our expertise.